Live from Boom Boz Craft Pizza and Tap House in East Nashville, it is Preds Insiders live on ESPN 1025 The Game, streaming on the Game Nashville app. We are here at Boom Boz Craft Pizza and Tap House. It is the site of Smashville Live coming up at the top of the hour. J.P. Dumont, former Predators player, will be joining Braden Gall and myself here on Smashville Live coming up at 7. So stick around, have a lot of fun, eat a lot of good food, drink a uh, drink. Some, uh, some beer, some <laughs> refreshments. Uh, have a good time here at Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. Should be a lot of fun. But joining me here on Preds Insiders for this next hour is our good buddy, Justin Bradford of Pony Box Radio. Justin, how are we doing this evening? I am doing just fine. I had a pregame beverage, a wonderful beverage, yeah. and, and ready to go here. Well, there and you go. I have a water with me right now to keep... Keep the, the throat, you know, nice and moist and everything, but ready to talk some Preds hockey. Yeah, well, last night, the Nashville Predators, an impressive 5-2 win on the road in Vegas. That was one of the most impressive wins that they've had all season. I know it's only four that they've had, <laughs> but that was definitely one of the more impressive victories they've had this season. It may have been their best 60-minute effort of the season. You no, know, I can agree on that just because Vegas is one of those statement games and the way we're looking at it, you're circling so many games. You know, the way they start off the season against Minnesota Wild. <laughs> Minnesota Wild. <laughs> but then you look at a game like the Washington Capitals. That's one that you're circling right there. You know it's going to be a difficult game, but it's at home. Vegas was going to be the next one that you're going to circle just knowing the firepower that they have, the speed that Vegas has. And Nashville did a very good job. Even though Vegas controlled a lot of the offensive opportunities during that game, the Predators kept up with the speed and the pace of the game and took advantage of opportunities, secondhand chances, tip-ins, little things like that in depth scoring, and took full advantage of any opportunity. Just like other teams have done to the Preds in those couple of losses the Predators have had, they took advantage of mistakes by Vegas, like Marc-Andre Fleury. Mm-hmm. Philip Forsberg took advantage of that mistake. Those are the little things that even if the offensive numbers aren't going your way and the opportunities aren't going your way, you're taking advantage of opportunities. The Predators did a very good job of that against Vegas. So 28 goals through six games. They scored five <laughs> more goals last night. They score a goal on the power play for the fifth straight game. And they get a line, or a, a goal from each one of the four lines. I mean, that is really good depth. I mean, you, you got a goal out of the Duchesne line, even though Duchesne got a point. He was slacking last night. First game in a Preds uniform, he didn't get a point. <laughs> Ryan Johansson did, didn't get a point last night, but Victor Arverton teed up Callie Yarncroke for a nice goal to take the lead in the second period. The Nick Benino line scored a goal. The Kyle Turris line scored a goal. That, I mean, that is exactly what David Poyle and Peter Laviolette envisioned with the construction of this roster was the overall depth offensively. And looking at this, 28 goals for, and you look at the top four teams in terms of goals for so far this season, the Predators have played six games. Toronto, Carolina, and Vegas have all played seven games. Predators are 28. Toronto, 28. So one less game for the Predators. Same amount of goals for Carolina. One more game played. Vegas, one more game played. Eight, each at 26 goals. Offense is doing great things. And the defense showed up much better last night. Goaltending was great last night as well. Pecorino making some stellar saves. That's what you want to see. You're only at a plus five goal differential. But it's great that you can go and score goals when you need to. They had a lead. They lost the lead and battled back. Just like in the L.A. game. They battled back. You want to have that offensive opportunity and that, that power to where you know if you're down, even in the third period, that you can say, yes, we can battle back. We have the offensive power that we can score two, three goals in the third period to make mm-hmm. a comeback and still be in this game. What was the number one thing that the Preds proved to you last night in that 5-2 win? They can keep up with a fast-paced game. They have speed. 
And to me, that's everybody's been talking about Las Vegas with their speed. The Vegas Golden Knights are a fast team. And look at, look at all the names on Vegas as well that, that we've seen go over there. Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, Paul Stastny, all, all these players that have the depth there for Vegas. They've spent the money, but guys want to go play there. Mm-hmm. But they kept up with the pace of the game. And that was very important that not only did they keep up with the pace, but they battled back when it wasn't necessarily going their direction too with that depth scoring and were able to control it when they absolutely needed to. Well, they've proven so far this season that they can come back from a deficit. They did it against Minnesota. They did it against Detroit. They didn't get a point out of it, but they did battle back and mm-hmm. tie the game twice. They did it uh, against Washington. They did it against L.A., and now they've done it against Vegas. It's I mean, impressive. This is a team that it doesn't really matter what, what the score is after one period or after two periods. They always feel like they are in the game. And that's, that's, that's impressive that six games into the season they've already established that now. You don't want to get into a deficit. You would prefer to remain in the lead for all 60 minutes. We all know hockey doesn't work that way. But the fact that they have that factor about them, that it factor of coming back in games, kind of like they did in the President's Trophy regular season down the stretch where they came back and won tons of games that it looked like they had no business winning early on. I think that is is a good sign moving forward that they, they already have that belief from period to period that no matter what the score is, they're going to win the game. And now they also have a power play that's generating opportunities and goals mm-hmm. for them as well, having five power play goals, and they're right in the middle of the pack. They're ranked 12th. Yeah, it's early in the season to look at net rankings throughout the whole league, but to see that they're in the middle of the pack, which is a good goal to be. You don't have to be elite. Just be average on the power play, and good things will happen. And you can see it's producing goals. It's changing momentum of the game. We're even seeing as well with the power play, too, that even if it's not generating a goal while on the special teams, that right after you're still generating opportunities. That's what it's supposed to be, a momentum changer. Yeah. You don't have to score on it, but is it keeping it in the offensive zone? Are you continuing to battle and push in the off- offensive zone? Are you generating more shots? It's, it opens things up a lot more, and we're seeing those opportunities come as well. And as we discussed a lot last season in terms of momentum changes with the power play, the momentum change was normally not a good one right. when, when they <laughs> took the ice for a power play. By the way, the power play just might be for real. Five straight games with a power play goal. Five of their six games to open the season with a power play goal. It is the longest streak that they have had in terms of consecutive games with a power play goal since they opened the 2016-17 season with six straight games of scoring power play goal. Wow. Almost two years since they've done something like this. <laughs> it's impressive. It's, it's impressive, and it's something they continue to build on. And that's what you want to see them do is, is the power play going to have some cold streaks? Of course. It's just natural. But can they battle back from that, and can they continue to remain average or above? On the power play, and you're seeing more more creativity, more shot opportunities, cross ice passes, trying to set it up for one timers that aren't just coming from the blue line, but they have a lot more firepower out there. Given the first power play unit, which is very impressive, that they have lots of creativity out there and lots of guys that can just fire the puck. I mean, we're seeing some of these cross ice passes and guys setting up for one timers where it looks like they have eyes in the back of their head. Mm-hmm. That's what you want to see: the creativity there, where they have vision and they just sense where their teammate is. So you said the number one thing that the Preds proved to you last night was the fact that they could keep up with Vegas' team speed. Yes. The number one thing that they proved to me last night is that with, within their system, they indeed do have a better defensive, for, de- defensive performance in them. And they proved it last night. Because th- the big thing about the first five games was, oh, they're giving up too many goals. They're giving up too many chances. <laughs> and, yes, Vegas got a pretty good handful of chances last night during that game, specifically late in the second period where – they were down two goals, and they were really pushing to, to try to cut that deficit before the second intermission. 
the Preds proved last night that they have that better defensive performance in them. And they, they showed it last night, and I think that's another positive moving forward that maybe, just maybe, they're starting to figure it out a little bit, slowly but surely, on, on the defensive end. Because we, mm-hmm. I mean, we've been praising their offense all month long so far, but the defense has been slower to get going. Maybe last night was a step in the right direction. It, it was, especially when you look at the team they're facing. Uh, if you get a, a shutout or a one-goal game against a very weak team, okay. But against you, Minnesota? Against Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> Still can't help but laugh when I mention the Minnesota Wild. <laughs> uh, but when you look at Vegas with the firepower that team has all throughout their lineup and the blue line and everything like that, to hold them to two goals, very impressive. Especially the stat that came up is that Vegas and Nashville from the top-scoring teams as well, and you hold a top-scoring team to only two goals at home. In an atmosphere that Nashville, in the past couple of years, obviously has not been that good. Mm-hmm. And so they go in, obviously they respond to what happened at the L.A. game, and they go out and they put up five goals, and they just have depth scoring all throughout, and they keep up, and defensively they shut them down. They allow some opportunities, but they shut them down. Even in the penalty kill, they only allowed one power play goal. The penalty kill, obviously, I think still needs some work right now, but that's, again, things you figure out as the season progresses. That's not a main focus as well. You look at the team that they don't feel like they're going to get pushed around. I mean, Roman Yossi is pretty upset with that non-call with the high stick to his face. Yes, he was. Uh, very, very upset right there, too. Dan Hamhus as well, was, wasn't too happy. So I think they're not showing that you know they need to go fight. They're showing that they're not just going to get pushed around. They don't want right. to be pushovers out there, too, which I think is pretty important for what the people have said about the team in the past. You know what else I liked last night about this Preds team is that they showed a killer instinct. Yeah. They, they went into the third period up 4-2, and they didn't let the foot off the gas. And they got that fifth goal on the power play, and they still did not let Vegas get back in that game and we've seen too many times over the last couple of years where they've entered a game <laughs> in the third period leading and they've let the team get back in the game. Whether or not they, they win or not, they take the foot off the gas maybe a little bit and they get themselves in a situation where they're having to hold on for dear life to, to win that game. Last night they didn't do that. Last night they kept foot on the gas, ended up getting, uh, getting the two points with relative ease in those, those last 10, 15 minutes. And they controlled a lot of the pace as well after the first period where we see the first period, there was a lot of shifting going on as the game progressed. The, the Golden Knights had 18 shots on goal in the first period, but by the third period, it dwindled down from 9 in the second, 8 in the third. The defense really did take control of that game and made sure to protect the net, and that's a very important thing. Now, in the last nine minutes of last night's game, Philip Forsberg did not play. Today, head coach Peter Lavila gave an update on Philip Forsberg's status, saying that he is, quote, probably a game-time decision tomorrow night in Arizona, sustaining a lower body injury last night in Vegas. I think the fact that he came out today and said he's going to be a game-time decision, it's not a day-to-day prognosis right. or a, you know, an actual timetable. The fact that Peter Laviolette came out and said that he will be a game-time decision, I think, is, is good news after what... I guess, could have been with Philip Forsberg. Good news, but we'll see what happens tomorrow morning. <laughs> we, always, we always hear those little things of, oh, yeah, d- game-time decision, and you hear that three games in a row. I think it'll be very telling what happens at morning skate, uh, if it's not optional, especially uh, tomorrow in Arizona. We'll have more of an idea there, too, because Daniel Caro put on waivers, mm-hmm. but stuck with the team. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, what's going to happen here? Yeah. So I was very concerned because, I mean, Philip Forsberg off to a great streak to start the season. Tied a franchise record last night of a six-game point streak to open a season. Do you know who we tied? Steve Sullivan? Nope. Oh. Merrick Zedlitsky. Merrick Zedlitsky. Man, what a, what a stat. 
I know. Of all players. You did not expect to hear Zimlick's no. name on uh, on this show this evening, did you? No, I did not. If, if Forsberg <laughs> is not 100%, I wouldn't play him tomorrow. I wouldn't either. It's, it's not a big game. It, well, it, look, it's Arizona. It's Phil Kessel's, the fighting hot dogs. Uh, wow. You went there, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I did. The fighting hot dogs. <laughs> Phil Kessel and Rick Tockett and the yeah. rest of the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> that will be the opponent tomorrow night for the Nashville Predators pregame at 8, puck drop at 9. All the action heard on ESPN. 1025 the game coming up next it's only six games but could this be the best offense the predators have ever put out there on the ice we will debate that next he's justin bradford of penalty box radio i am ryan porth you are listening to preds insiders live from boomba's craft pizza and tap house in east nashville it is espn 1025 the game streaming on the game national app Picked up now left side, Arvidsson. Arvidsson makes a move there. And the shot and the score by Callie Yarncroke to give the Predators back the lead at 5.08. Explain the offensive output so far this season. Another game with at least five goals. We're, we're balanced and we're deep and, uh, you know, we're dangerous. Our D jump in, our forwards are all creative. Everyone's making plays. And um, tonight was a perfect example of that. That was Nick Benino last night after the Preds' 5-2 win on the road against the Vegas Golden Knights. Play-by-play clip you heard there was Pete Weber calling Callie Yarncroke's eventual game-winning goal there in the second period. A nice goal. Nice feed from Victor Arvidsson to set him up. Callie Yarncroke looking pretty good on that, that line alongside uh, Ryan Johansson and Victor Arvidsson. I think they've kind of figured something out there. Yeah, I think it was mentioned on the broadcast last night, too, that Peter Laviolette challenged Cal Yarncroft to be more offensive. Like, you, you've been a defensive forward. I need you to get out of that. I need you to show the skill and the talent you have. And we've seen it before. We've seen flashes from Cal Yarncroft. And I think the expectations there, especially after a down season, that he needs to produce a little bit more. It doesn't necessarily always have to be scoring goals or points, but he needs to be contributing to the offense more because he has that ability to. Well, we heard Nick Benino say there that – he feels like this team is balanced. He feels this team is deep. He feels this team is dangerous offensively. And as I alluded to last segment, you saw that last night with all four goal, all, all four lines scoring an even-strength goal and then a power play goal there in the third period to make it hammer-nail coffin on the two points on Vegas. Look, for this to become the best Preds offense of all time, they are going to have to stay healthy. Absolutely. They are going to have to stay healthy, but this offense right now is cooking with gas. <laughs> if you think of the Preds averaging a point per game or better through six games, again, only six games. Duchesne has nine, Forsberg has eight, Johansson and Ellis at seven, Arvidsson and Yossi at six. It's a pretty good number of players start. already starting the season at a point per game clip or better. Now, if they keep up this pace of 28 goals through six games, they would end the season with 382 goals. It's a few. The most the Preds have ever scored in a single season is 272 back in the 06-07 season. That's, that's is, pretty is, impressive. Do you think this is going to be the best Preds offense ever? Do you think they eclipse the 272, the record in terms of goals scored in a single season by by the Preds? I think they absolutely can because the, the way this team's been built in the past, it's a record that's meant to be broken. <laughs> but just by the way this team's built now, finally to be offensive instead of defensive-minded. You've been seeing that transition happen now over the past few seasons. And even with Peter Laviolette's system, 
of having defensemen that can activate from the blue line and be very involved in the offense. We're seeing that now because, I mean, in 2017-18, it was 261 goals for, and that's mm-hmm. the second most in history. And you just look at the firepower that the team has now, they're setting it up for that as well. They don't have to get to the 382 mark. You just have to get to 273. <laughs> right. So, And that's actually not that much to ask for. That's over 100 less than the pace there is right now. So they can win plenty of games with scoring three goals or four goals and still continue to break that record. Well, ESPN.com came out with a, an interesting article today. Um, D- Dimitri Filipovich, is that how you say his last name? I think it's a really good try. Okay, Dimitri Filipovich, we're going to go with that, uh, <laughs> came out with which players' hot starts will continue. And it's an NHL mirage meter. Okay, so number two on the list, he says the Predators look dangerous again. And his whole, his whole spiel about Matt Duchesne and his hot start of nine points in six games is that that line alongside Forsberg and Granlund is playing well above even what the great lines do in terms of underlying numbers, advanced analytics, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But even if they regress down to top five, top ten in the league in terms of those underlying numbers for the entire league – it is still going to be one of the mm-hmm. top lines in the entire National Hockey League, even if they regress from what they've been doing early on this season. And that's the best thing that you could ask for because you get Matt Duchesne coming in, you see already so quickly the difference that he's provided on offense, whether it's the power play or just five-on-five five as well, his creativity, his tenacity, his speed, everything. And then Mikhail Glenland and what you have him and what he's been able to do and being more comfortable in the system and being acclimated to everything and having chemistry out there too, we see exactly what David Poyle traded for. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Fiala was a scratch. But you see what David Poyle traded for in Mikhail Glenland and that he has that offensive ability. And then Philip Forsberg, with the way that he's able to shoot the puck and be out there as well, that is a very dangerous top line. And, yes, that, that's the top line. <laughs> Nothing against Ryan Johansson or Victor mm-hmm. Arvidsson or anything like that. But the Matt Duchesne line is the top line right now, which I think as the season progresses, it opens up more opportunity for Arvidsson and Johansson and whoever they put on the other wing to be more dangerous because teams are going to prepare for the Duchesne line way more than anything else. It opens up the ability for matchups, especially at home, for those middle six guys to really go forth and push the offense as well, especially if the first line's getting shut down, then what do the middle six guys do? They're going to go out and score and win some games for this team too. I mean, that's a very fair point. What I would say is that I think Cali Yarncroke has played his way into kind of being that, that left wing alongside Johansson and Arvidsson. For now. <laughs> Always subject to change, as we know, head Asterix. coach Peter Laviolette. <laughs> I, I think it was important to get Callie Yarncroke going offensively. Four points in the last three games, yes. It's been alongside Johansson and Arvidsson, but Callie Yarncroke is the player that has struggled offensively ever since really the you know early po- portions of last season. And to get him going offensively, maybe you're going to get his confidence going. And we saw in years past when you put Callie Yarncroke alongside Ryan Johansson and maybe James Neal back in the day, sure. Yarncroke was a very effective player back then. And in the last couple of years, he's had maybe a lesser offensive role, focused more on defense. But I think he does bring a, a pretty good element, a, a more natural element for him alongside Johansson and Arvidsson than if you put Craig Smith on his off wing up there on the left wing or if you put Kyle Turris on 
a wing just in general because he's never played wing at the NHL level. Sure, absolutely. And, and you look at Cal Yarncook and his points over his career. I mean, he's had three seasons with 30-plus points. So I think the, the goal for him would be, again, 30-plus points. He had 26 last season, and that was a quote-unquote disappointing season in terms of production right there. So 35-plus points out of Cal Yarncook, especially if you're putting him with that type of talent, I think that is a very reasonable expectation out of him to get 35-plus points and contributing. So you think there's uh, – what percentage chance would you give it that they break 272? I'd say 85% chance. 85% chance. Yes. Again, that th- is a high number. This has not been a high-scoring team in franchise history. But, okay. So it's set right there. 6 was a high-scoring team. On average is what I'm saying. No, well, I, I understand <laughs> that. But 6 I kind of feel like people look back on that team and just don't give it the, the respect that it deserves. The OGs do. Well, yeah. <laughs> this Us fan base two. has grown Us a lot but since then. So, I, All right. So this was the 06-07 lineup back then. Korea, Paul Korea, David Leguan, Steve Sullivan, J.P. Dumont, who will be on Smashville Live. Hey, he's right there over there. Yeah. And he uh, just walked in. Yeah. Uh, welcome, J.P. Dumont, to Boomba's Craft Beats in Tap House in East Nashville. <laughs> Jason Arnott, Martin Erat, Scott Hartnell. They traded for Peter Forsberg. Alexander Radulov was a rookie. I mean, that top nine... Deadly. Is so stinking solid. Now, the problem that back then in that season was that they were riddled with injuries in the last 20 to 30 games. That av- even after they acquired Peter Forsberg, they were never at full strength and ended up getting bounced in, in five games. That team never, never saw its true potential. And I wish, I wish we could um, relive some of those games that season because they, they would just annihilate central division opponents i mean they they would score seven eight goals against teams like columbus and chicago st louis the dregs of the central division back then and what was frustrating was they were three points away from winning the central and the seeding put them down into that four or five matchup yep and so it wasn't the best matchup for the first round as well because I'm very San confident. Jose again. Exactly. It was San yeah. Jose again, which was not fun, a fun team to play. So pretty confident in that had they got that number one seed, that they would have had a much more successful playoff. Now, here's where I think the, the lineups differ is at center. David Leguand, I think he had there, – there was a ceiling to his game. Jason Arnott, very productive back then. Mm-hmm. Peter Forsberg was not the same after he came over from uh, Philadelphia in that trade. You've got Ryan Johansson, and you've got Matt Duchesne in the prime of their careers. It's hard to beat that. It really is. It is. Now, let's, let's temper this. with It's hard to beat that in Predators history, but it's still one of those Th- That's what I meant. Okay. That, that is exactly what I meant. And, and that's totally that's very fair. I mean, this is the strongest depth at center they've ever had in franchise history. Uh, it's one of those things that, in terms of the league, looking at that, they still have a lot to prove to the league because neither of the two made the top 20 in terms of centers. Now, could that be wrong by the end of the season? It absolutely could be. Matt Duchesne could easily be up there in terms of his production because you can see the way he's playing, that he's going, that he's on pace and looking forward to having a potential 70-point season, which would be great for him. 
and that's great for the Predators as well. So tempering that with enfranchise history, yes, absolutely. The depth there, depth at almost every position as well. You have a goaltender that's still playing well. You have a defensive core that can, that can score as well, which we didn't see much of back then in terms of a decor. So I think, yeah, that, that's why I put it at 85%. To get back to the main point, that's why I put it at 85%. They're set up just to do it because, again, on this pace, even if there are 100 goals under the pace by the end of the season, they still break the record. Right. <laughs> so that's, that's a huge span of, uh, are they going to be able to do it or not? Exactly. Well, speaking of the depth at center, what do we make of Kyle Turris's start to this season? We will get to that coming up next. He's Justin Bradford. I'm Ryan Porth. This is Preds Insiders live from Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House in East Nashville, where, where Smashville Live will originate from. J.P. Dumont will be the guest of Braden Gall and myself coming up at 7 o'clock. Should be a lot of fun. The first people, first 50 people will have the opportunity to get an autograph or a picture with the former number 71 in Nashville Predators history. And Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. This place is awesome. Justin. It is. I look around and I can see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I, I have to stop counting. You can see <laughs> over a dozen TVs basically wherever you sit. This is an impressive place impressive place with impressive pizza. Impressive uh, I had the tater kegs earlier. Oh, those are delicious. Oh man. The appetizer, oh so good. Now I'm hungry, thanks. So good. Kyle Turris has been so good through six games this season. What do we make of his current situation? That is coming up next. He's Justin Bradford. I'm Ryan Porth. This is Preds Insiders, live on ESPN 102.5. The game streaming on the Game National app. When we get a few weeks into the season like this, we can start to look around at at lineups and where guys are playing and maybe develop some trade talk out of that. When you look at a $6 million a year guy playing on the fourth line in Nashville, does trade talk start right there? Well, Kyle Turris is a situation worth monitoring with the Nashville Predators now. I don't think it's any secret in the summer. General Manager David Poyle was trying to move Turris and his contract, which has another five years to go, at $6 million per year. Now, the last game out, he played under 10 minutes. He's currently centering the fourth line. It's not an optimal situation for him. It's not one for the Nashville Predators either, but right now, the reality is that Ryan Johansson's ahead of him, Matt Duchesne, and Nick Benino. so it'll be worth monitoring to see how he fares, how much ice time he's getting, and what his future, short-term and long-term, might be there. That was Bob McKenzie last night during TSN's Insider Trading segment. Talking about Kyle Turris. Interesting situation uh, with Kyle Turris. Bob McKenzie saying right there that David Poyle attempted this summer, this past offseason, to trade Kyle Turris, and it, uh, it did not, it, nothing formalized in terms of a trade. So here we are with Kyle Turris on this roster for the Nashville Predators. And Justin, Kyle Turris, I feel like in these first six games, has looked a lot better than he looked for most of last regular season. Why? <laughs> Maybe he's playing so he can get traded? No, it, it's, it's, it's what's well, a good thing for him because he's playing really well and not the best talent surrounding him as well. And I think that's what everybody's concerned about in the preseason mm-hmm. and training camp. Of, you know, They were testing him at wing for a little bit then moved him back to center. Of What's the situation here in order for him to be successful? He's been carrying that line, obviously. He is carrying the fourth line single-handedly. Uh, just, and this is just based on the stats. You know, maybe your favorite players, yes or no, but he's the one carrying that line. That's a lot of pressure on him. 
Wally's doing a fairly good job of carrying that line overall. And uh, overall, and I know there's lots of Kyle Turris haters out there, but he's doing his job right now. I mean, he has four points, has two goals, two assists, and he's contributing. And that's what you want out of a guy like this too. Whether it means his trade value increases, yes or no, it's that he's contributing to the team and helping the team win. That is the the main point right now. Is that he's not in a situation where he's not producing and frustrated, and he is out there and he's producing. He's scoring goals. So that's what you want out of him. He had a goal and assist out last night. Yeah. In Vegas, he easily could have had two goals. Even if Nick Benino doesn't <laughs> deflect Turris's shot on that power play, I still feel like that puck gets past Marc-Andre Fleury and Turris has a two-goal night. I agree. Like, it was almost like an unnecessary deflection, but it was a deflection nonetheless. <laughs> you know? Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, Bob McKenzie in that clip that we heard just there said, you know, he references the fact that he had low ice time Saturday against L.A. Look. That game, you're trying to get the the top two or three lines out there a lot in the third period as you're making that comeback to tie it up at 4-4. I get why Kyle Turris in the fourth line didn't get many minutes in L.A. But last night, he had almost 15 minutes of of ice time. He had two points. He has four points through six games. And I think it's an interesting conundrum that the Predators find themselves in with Kyle Turris. Do you keep keep him throughout this season and have him be – a part of a team that looks like it could be a cup contender as this season goes along. If you still have defensive issues at midseason and there are some inconsistencies there, do you try to, you know, flip Turris for a defenseman that can help you? I, I think it's an interesting situation for GM David Poyle and the Preds with Kyle Turris because we all know last season in March he was scratched a couple games. It was clear through his quotes with Adam Vingan out west that he wasn't real thrilled about it. I wonder. I, I do wonder what's different this season compared to last. The fact that you know it doesn't look like he's, I don't know, having a pity party or <laughs> or not enjoying being out there. Maybe it's maybe maybe it is the fact that he's you know having early season early season success. I don't know. But it is it is an interesting thing with this Preds team right now that Turris is is performing how he is. I mean, he had fourteen fifty two ice time last night, and the the thing for me that stands out is the power play time. He had over three minutes of power play time, so it shows the coaching staff still has confidence in him to go and produce in special teams. If there was a show of no confidence in a player, they're not putting him on the power play. They're not putting him in special teams. They're really limiting his ice time. They show that they are confident in him to put him out in a situation where he can be successful and help the team. Because when you're putting out a power play unit, it's, you want to put out the players you think are going to help you be the most successful. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, but whatever position they're playing, there's a reason why, Nick Benino, why they think Nick Benino belongs out there, and it's because he's getting right in front of the goalie as well, and we're seeing that right now too. And overall, it's been successful. There's a reason why Kyle Turris is out there on the power play right now as well. That's confidence from the coaching staff. They believe that he can fit into that system as well. Right now, I think that should make the player happy right there too, the, the confidence. And, yes, your ice time will fluctuate up and down, but overall you're playing over 14 minutes. As a fourth-line center, it shows that they still have confidence in you and they want you to produce. Now, when it comes to trade talk and everything, we're still in October, and I think we'll start seeing more things throughout the league once we get to November, because injuries will happen. Mm-hmm. The teams will know their depth. Cap situations will be fully figured out, I think. That's when I think you start seeing teams reevaluate where they think they're at, whether they're on a good pace or a bad pace. Or they think they're just missing that one piece, like when Kyle Turris was traded to the Predators was in November. November's when things open up because you're 10-plus games into the season. You have an idea of what your team is going to be like, injury or not. But Between Thanksgiving and Christmas is really the point in time in which 
trade rumors, you start seeing some things. Mm-hmm. TSN, the guys that we just oh, heard yeah. there, Bob McKenzie, um, Darren Drager, James Duffy, Pierre LeBron, they start kind of putting some feelers oh, out yeah. there of, you know, this player or that player could be available as the season goes along. I don't think that's going to be the last we, heal, we hear of Kyle Turris <laughs> in segments like that with, with the Canadian media. And then bringing up Kyle Turris as a potential trade ship if, uh, if the Preds see it necessary. And not just him, I think Nick Benino could be tossed in there as well because we're looking at what these guys are making, and then you're also thinking about the, oh, yeah, Roman Yossi still needs to resign. He needs to, he needs to extend <laughs> that contract, and you're thinking of what's going to happen going into next year. Yes, because he does. It's not just Roman Yossi. It's potentially Craig Smith, potentially Mikhail Glenland. You have players that potentially you'd want to keep just because the offensive power they have, especially you're seeing what Mikhail Glenland can offer to your team as a number one winger. Mm-hmm. That's the potential you'd want to see if he would resign. You're going to have to clear some cap space for that. For sure. Speaking of the Canadian media, oh boy, tomorrow at 1 p.m. on Darren Donick and Chase, Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet, Whoa. a weekly segment Thursdays oh. at 1 p.m. with Darren Donick and Chase. Wow, on ESPN 102.5 The Game. That's impressive. So Elliot Friedman will be starting that weekly segment throughout the entire hockey season tomorrow at one o'clock. We are super excited about that. It will be interesting to see what he says about the Roman Yossi situation. He was the one who put it out there within the last week or two about how he felt there was maybe a little bit of a snag in the contract talks between the Preds and Roman Yossi. Not anything to to fret about, but something that he did put in his 31 Thoughts column, I believe it was last week. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was. So it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say on that matter. Very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) He's Justin Bradford of Penalty Box Radio. I'm Ryan Porth. We are broadcasting live from Boombaz Craft Pizza and Tap House in East Nashville. The site of Smashville Live coming up at the top of the hour. J.P. Dumont will be joining Braden Gall and myself right here for a fun hour of Preds Talk. Boombaz Craft Pizza and Tap House. They were the winner of Best Gourmet Pizza, Best International Pizza, Best Non-Traditional Pizza, and Best Vegetarian Pizza by the International Pizza Expo in Las Vegas, where the Preds just won last night, 5-2, over the Golden Knights. <laughs> this place is really stinking good. If you are still looking for something to do tonight, come on out, enjoy Smash Live, and enjoy their fantastic pizza. Coming up next, we'll hit on a few items including tomorrow night's game between the Preds and the Coyotes. Plus, what do we make of Daniel Carr Mm. being placed on waivers after two games in a Preds uniform? We'll get to that next. He's Justin Bradford. I'm Ryan Porth. You're listening to Preds Insiders, ESPN, 102.5 The Game, streaming on the Game National app. Welcome back in, Preds Insiders, live from Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House in East Nashville, located at 1003 Russell Street, Smashville Live coming up at the top of the hour right here, starring J.P. Dumont, Braden Gall, and uh, me, but I'm <laughs> not even close to the star of the show at all. It's all, all about J.P. Dumont tonight and his career with the Nashville Predators and what he's doing with youth hockey here locally. So that should be a lot of fun coming up at the top of the hour. And then you, Justin Bradford. Yes. As you're listening to Smashville Live mm-hmm. in the 7 o'clock hour, you are going to be going back to the studio and doing Penalty Box Radio. Yeah, I'm taking, at, the, I'm taking the zip line eight. from East Nashville down to Donaldson. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I should try that one day. Yeah, you should. I don't think it would end well. No. So <laughs> yesterday, I would... All right, scale of 1 to 10. 
How surprised were you that the Preds placed Daniel Carr on waivers yesterday? Five? Five? Yeah. I was a little higher than that. It was more like a, huh? Like for me, but yeah. like, okay. That's what I'd it was say, I, I'd say maybe a seven. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, two games. I know. And it's not like they were or they're needing to clear a roster spot for something. No, they're not. You know? I think that was the surprise of it and the fact that they were so high on him when they signed him back on July 1, mm-hmm. AHL MVP last year. Very high on him. And after two games, he was placed on waivers. Now, today he cleared waivers, remains on the Nashville roster. Philip Forsberg, as we said earlier in the show, game time decision tomorrow night. I would assume that is a big reason why Daniel Carr is still on the roster and not having been sent down to Milwaukee in the AHL yet. But GM David Poyle was on with Darren Donick and Chase yesterday, just a few moments after it came out that Daniel Carr was placed on waivers. And GM David Poyle gave this explanation as to why Daniel Carr was placed on waivers. The thought process there is that he has, he's worked hard during uh, training camp and he's got in a couple of games, but he was a leading scorer in the American Hockey League and that we, we need and want production. That's what we think he can do to chip in offensively. And it just hasn't happened for him. And his conversation with him yesterday, I mean, he was, he was disappointed uh, that I approached him about being on waivers. But on the other hand, I think he fully realizes that his scheme just isn't there, is it? whether it's his confidence. I mean, he was a little bit, uh, you know, just upset that he hasn't performed to the level that he knows he can. So our play here, our hope is that uh, he will clear waivers, get down in Milwaukee, get his scoring uh, back up to where it was and give us an opportunity to, to recall him and maybe put him in when um, when he's got his total game together. That was David Poyle yesterday on Darren Donick and Chase during his weekly visit discussing Daniel Carr going on waivers. It will be interesting to see if he goes in the lineup tomorrow night, whether or not Philip Forsberg is in the lineup. Mm-hmm. I would kind of doubt it if they're placing him on waivers a little more than 48 hours before that game against the Coyotes. But I just found it found it interesting that so soon, two games after him being in a Preds uniform, that they did place him on waivers. I mean, if anything, too, I think what helps that no one claimed him, if you just want to keep him in the system like that, he's on a one-way. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think teams wanted to claim him and pay him $700,000 to play in the AHL. Right. <laughs> so that one-way kind of helped good the point. Predator situation there as well with, okay, we're pretty sure we can place him on waivers and no one's going to claim him because of his contract situation. He's on a two-way deal where you have that lesser amount of money to pay in the AHL. So that helped the Preds a lot, and it gave him some room. It was like, oh, Phil Force might be injured. Let's mm-hmm. keep you up here with us. But you cleared this is great, yay. Yeah. Uh, but two games <laughs> is not enough to evaluate because overall I actually kind of liked what I saw out of him. And it's one of those things, too, for a player that's brand new to the system, you think he and Matt Duchesne are the only two new players in the system. Mm-hmm. And Matt Duchesne in terms of skill level, obviously way way far above so it's easier for him to mesh in but Daniel Carr in the bottom six to expect him to just go out and produce in two games that's a lot of expectation for him as well and so I'd like to see a little bit more of him of what he can do because if he's out there maybe if he's with a Kyle Turris because Daniel Carr does have an offensive upside what could happen in a few games with Kyle Turris that's what I'd like to see a few games of didn't he play the two games with Kyle Turris and and Craig Smith right I believe so yeah yeah. sounds right and I I liked a lot of what I saw He, he made sure to back check a little bit too, so there there are some flashes. That's what I want to see. It's it's hard to evaluate fully in two games. I mean, I'll, I mean, I think most scouts know that as well. It's hard to evaluate unless there's other things 
that are there that we don't know of in terms of what they saw in camp and maybe didn't like tendencies as well, which absolutely can happen that you see in a game and you kind of confirm tendencies that you may have seen in camp and preseason. Maybe that's the case as well. So don't want to take anything away from that. But I'd like to see a little bit more of him just because there's potential for him. I I don't think it's in the Steve Moses situation for the Nashville Predators. Wow, you just pulled a name out of (laughs) what season was that? Like three or four years ago? Was it? Was it that soon? I have no idea. But but I don't think it's going to be that kind of situation because even if he goes back to the AHL, we know he can dominate in the AHL because shoot, he dominated the Milwaukee Admirals when he's playing in the AHL. So I, I would think if he does get that assignment to go back, then the Milwaukee Admirals will be very, very happy to have him and what he could potentially do. He's that kind of player that's in that gray area. And that's what's frustrating sometimes because you have a player that's in a gray area where they can dominate and totally kill in the AHL but just can't necessarily cut it in the NHL. And it's frustrating because you see the potential right there and they just can't get past that gray area. So hopefully for Daniel Carr, he's able to make it and get another opportunity out there. You never want injuries to happen, but that's what you have depth for is that if injuries do occur, you have guys that can step in. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow night, the Nashville Predators visit the Arizona Coyotes pregame at 8, puck drop at 9 on ESPN 102.5. The game It is the last of a three-game road trip out west for the Preds before they return home Saturday night to take on the Florida Panthers. Tomorrow night, look, for whatever reason, the desert has been like a, a black hole for this <laughs> Nashville team. It just seems like whenever they play the Coyotes in that arena, they just don't play well. I, I have no idea why it is. I don't even have the record in front of me from like the last eight just years know. Just in know. Arizona. It, it's just one of those things. You know, they, they can play well at a lot of good teams. They can beat the Washington Capitals almost every single time they play them. They can beat the Tampa Bay Lightning almost every single time <laughs> they play them. And they cannot beat the Arizona Coyotes to save their lives out there in the desert. Maybe that changes tomorrow night. Maybe, but Arizona is a, is a tough team. They're a pesky team this season. Pesky, I think, is a very good word because they have a lot of young, young talent with a few veterans on there yeah. as well. So pesky is a great word because, I mean, you look at their, their schedule. They lost 1-0 to Boston. Boston, a very good team. They beat Vegas 4-1. to one. Mm-hmm. They lost to Colorado in overtime. They beat Winnipeg. So uh, they're, they're a pesky team because it sh- they've proven now that they can go out, they can beat you, yeah. or you can beat them. I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of in the middle for them. They're not the, one of those top stellar teams, but if they have things fall in the right place for them and they do like what they usually do against Nashville, they can absolutely go out and beat you. Well, Arizona was kind of a preseason sleeper too. Yeah. With I, they're some gonna of the go new additions they've made, mm-hmm. Phil Kessel. They have a decent goaltending duo of Ranta and, and Kemper. Absolutely. And Clayton Keller is a nice little uh, young player. So... I don't know. We'll uh, we'll see how that game turns out tomorrow night. I would expect Pecorine in that tomorrow night. I would. Yeah, yeah. I would. Totally. Was it on Saturday during Preds Extra how we established Sorrow Saturday? Sorrow Saturday is setting it up again, I, isn't it? <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. So one, a couple things that I wanted to get to before we, uh, before we get out of here. Kevin Fiala last night. Oh, boy. Not happy. A healthy scratch for the Minnesota Wild. Healthy scratch. He hasn't played, what, 20, 25 games in a Wild uniform? Already healthy scratch. And he's being a healthy scratch. I was – I was – look. <laughs> I made it known last year on this very program that I was not a Kevin Fiala fan. But I was not expecting a headline on Twitter last night saying that Kevin Fiala was a healthy scratch on that team. That team is awful, the Minnesota awful. Wild. Dumpster fire. And he was a healthy scratch on an awful team. 
and you think you'd have an offensive guy like that to go in. But the style of hockey that they're playing, it's obviously not suiting Kevin Fiala. It is not suiting him whatsoever, mm. and you can't expect a guy that is an offensive talent like him that is usually not expected to play defense to go and play defensive shutdown style hockey, which Minnesota Wild play that boring style of hockey, and then he goes and he gets scratched. You get a player that you just re-signed to a deal, and then five games in you scratch him because he has one assist on a team that is awful. I, I don't know. I, I haven't been watching very many Minnesota Wild games Why this season you? outside of the season opener. That'd be brutal, man. For the Nashville Predators. I wouldn't do that to myself. You'd be a masochist for that. I don't know if it's because of poor play from Fiala. I don't know if it's Bruce Boudreaux sending a message. Yeah. But <laughs> holy smokes. I was not expecting that. I also was not expecting the Winnipeg Jets sellout streak at home to end last night. Oh, that ended. Yeah. At 332 games. It was the first time the Winnipeg Jets did not sell out a home game since they moved from Atlanta. That's a small arena, too. Yeah, it was like <laughs> 14,100 something. It's like built night. to be sold out. Yeah. <laughs> And they, and they didn't do it. But, but apparently there's some word that Dustin Bufflin could be coming back soon. So we'll see if that gives a little boost to the fan base well, out there. Ho- hopefully <laughs> for him, he's, he's A-OK and, sure, absolutely. and able to you know, focus on hockey. We, we still don't really know what's been going no, on don't. with Big Buff. So hopefully everything is OK on that front for the big defenseman. Coming up here in just a matter of moments, it is Smashville Live. Fans can come on out, register to win two tickets to an upcoming Predators home game. That upcoming Predators home game is Halloween night against the Calgary Flames. You can come on out. J.P. Dumont will be the star guest of the program. Also, Nash and the Preds energy team are here as well. Smash Live coming up next right here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford of Penalty Box Radio, thank you so much for stopping by Preds Insiders here in East Nashville this evening. Thanks for having me. Now I'm going to make the trek. Back to the studio. Safe travels. Thank you. To 1824. Thank you very much. So for Justin Bradford of Penalty Box Radio, I am Ryan Poor. Thank you so much for listening to Preds Insiders. Coming up next is Smash Live featuring J.P. Dumont right here on ESPN 1025 The Game and streaming on the Game National app.